Philadelphia, are you ready? <laughs> no, he said, are you ready? This is Brotherly Love Wrestling Podcast, your first stop for everything professional wrestling. So sit back and enjoy wrestling talk at its finest with your hosts, Larry Hall and Joe Corrado. Welcome to another episode of Brotherly Love Wrestling Podcast. And listen, do, do you hear that? It's silence. I am alone today. Joe is uh, not with me and not able uh, to come on as of yet. Um, but on today's show, I have an interview with Mike Quackenbush, uh, founder of the Wrestle Factory in Northeast Philadelphia and the promotion that runs out of that Wrestle Factory, Shakara. Um, so it is an honor to have Mike on the show, and um, I'll be talking to Mike in a little bit. And hopefully a little after that, after the interview wraps up, we'll be talking uh, a little intro into WrestleMania, considering WrestleMania, as of today, recording on Friday, is only a day away, the two-night extravaganza that it's going to be. Um, so me and Joe will be talking about that on the other side of the interview. So let's get into this interview. Lightning Mike Quackenbush joins me today. Hope you enjoy the interview. All right, joining me right now is Lightning Mike Quackenbush. Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. So, um, Mike, with everything going on, how are you holding up during this uh, social distancing? Uh, I know this is going to sound glib, and I, I mean it very seriously. I've never been busier. Really? Um, like, I'm out of my mind busy. I've put in more 12 to 14-hour days in the last three weeks than probably in the previous three years combined. So, um, although I had a f the first couple days of all of this, of course, it was just like abject panic. <laughs> uh, once that subsided, I realized it's time to get busy. Mm -hmm. And now, what is keeping you so busy? Because, I mean, you're one of the only people I've heard that had been that busy during a time like this. One of the projects that's kept me so busy is uh, finishing up what will be my ninth book overall. Um, so it's coming out first as an audiobook called Toolbox, Building Better Pro Wrestling. It's probably less than 20 days away now. It'll hit Audible in the month of April. So I had been working on that um, about sort of exploring for the, the same themes that really permeated my last podcast project, Kayfabe 2.0. And although it is intended for performers, fellow professional wrestlers, I don't doubt if you are intrigued by the art form and the craft behind it, you may find it particularly intriguing as well. So that has proven to be very time consuming because while I'd initially intended for it only to be an audio book, my publishing agent had kind of leaned on me and said, no, we have to have this as an ebook as well. There are people that will just never listen to an audio book. You're going to miss a giant swath of the audience if you do not produce this as an ebook. So that has been very time consuming, getting the revisions right, taking a piece that was meant to be delivered as an oratory into written form, which was not its intended shape. That's been time consuming. And then when I'm not busy doing that, I've also been very busy teaching online seminars, 
many of which have required me to do on average like eight to ten hours of preparation before I go live for two hours. And when I do, I'm live for a period of two hours. I have a short break. And then for people in different time zones, I go live again. Oh, wow. So I am in at my wrestle factory uh, where the entire building is wired for streaming. And we can luckily with just the assistance of one other human being stream out to one, all of my in-house wrestle factory trainees of whom there's about 40. But then through my years of traveling the globe and teaching everywhere from Australia to Zurich, I also kind of have like this worldwide student body who are all going through the same thing right now. They're all under lockdown. They don't want to stagnate. They don't want their advancement and their education as pro wrestlers to just die off. So there have been times where I'm live streaming to people in as many as 11 different countries simultaneously so that we can still stay connected to the thing that we love. Wow. Yeah, it <laughs> sounds like a lot of big undertaking for sure. Um, but and the thing is about you, you're you're known for being a teacher. And like you said, you put on these classes even online. And before all this happened, you would have them at at Chikara. Um, what now turn around on you. Who have you learned the most from in wrestling? I, I'm so fortunate that I've had a ton of people just teach and give and explain and mentor and coach very selflessly over the years. For me, that starts with Ace Darling. Um, although I think by the current generation of independent wrestling fans, that is a name not well known. He was one of the gold standards in the 90s when I broke in. His longtime tag team partner, Devin Storm, who was in WCW as Crowbar, is still active, but um, uh, Two pretty serious knee injuries ended the career of Ace Darling. That was a guy who just m mentored me because he saw potential in me and realized, look, if nobody helps you shape your potential, it will be wasted potential. Mm -hmm. So let's get to work. Um, I'm eternally grateful to Ace. In fact, I, I dedicated my forthcoming book to him. Um, I learned in the ring, mechanically, I learned a great deal from a luchador named Jorge Rivera, who wrestles under a mask as Skyda. And although he lost that mask years ago, I believe he now wrestles under the mask once again. I'm not exactly sure why that is. <laughs> but um, in the ring, he, he gave me the gift of Yave style, which is one of a few dialects of Lucha Libre. So I, I just see each wrestling style as its own dialect of the same language, of, of different languages. And I love becoming fluent in those dialects. It makes me feel like a good citizen of the wrestling world. I learned a tremendous amount from Jorge, and I'm indebted to him for everything that he taught to me and to the contemporaries that were at the Wrestle Factory during the time that Jorge was there. Um, I don't think Claudio would have turned out to be as well-rounded as he was if we had not had Jorge join us at the Wrestle Factory. They would not be as formidable performers as they are if not for what they learned from Jorge. So that's somebody who I learned a great deal from. Hmm. And in a number of respects, you know, you can learn from people both good and bad. You can learn from people that set a terrible example. Um, and, and maybe I'm not going to choose to name some people right, right after <laughs> saying that. But there were a lot of people. I only had to watch the way in which they would create a negative atmosphere in a locker room disrupt the flow of a live event, create stress or anxiety for other performers or the promoters. And I, all I had to do was see that once and think, well, I'm never going to do that. Um, 
as weird as that might be to to say out loud, you can learn a lot from watching things done wrong every bit as much as you can learn from the example of when they're done right. Yeah, I, I agree with that because I think uh, growing up, I, I always heard the saying, practice makes perfect. And then mm -hmm. I remember watching a documentary about Michael Jordan, and he said, I hate that saying because it's improper. It's perfect practice makes perfect. And it took my my process of thinking about things like that to a whole new level because now that's right. Yeah, you can practice and you can do things a certain way. doesn't necessarily mean it's the right way. And like you said, you can see the things that people are doing wrong and learn from them. Be like, wait a second, that yeah, they're doing it, but they're not doing it the way they should be. So I love that mindset of, yeah, you can learn from the really good good teachers and good people, but you can also learn from the people that are not so good. Yeah. Yeah, they can help inform that process as well. And maybe sometimes you don't realize how wrong something is until you see somebody else model it, and you're like, oh, man, mm -hmm. I'm not going to step on that landmine. <laughs> so uh, staying with the teaching, who are some of your best students or maybe best students in the best world, like well-known students, and how did you um, – Basically, your teaching, me teaching methods, excuse me, how did they vary from those? Well, my most well-known students, when it comes to people who are graduates of my Wrestle Factory, the pro wrestling training center that's situated in Philadelphia and, and has been for more than a decade where I'm the head trainer, the, the most famous of them, the most well-known would be, of course, Cesaro. That's Claudio Castagnoli, who I mm -hmm. name-dropped a moment ago. People uh, are becoming increasingly familiar with the fantastic work that Drew Gulak is doing. Yep. Um, but I've also trained people outside of my Wrestle Factory system, whether it's it's people I spent a good deal of time training, like Alistair Black before he goes to the WWE during the caravans I used to do across the Netherlands back in the day, um, or, or people that I've not spent as much time with but uh, been able to influence in some way, shape, or form. I can tell you the best social media traffic I ever get is when Alexa Bliss sends out a gif of us training together. <laughs> um I, I had this sobering realization after one of the clips of us training together went viral. At the end of the first day, that's just like, I don't know, 20-second clip of us in the ring. It had been watched 2.3 million times across three different platforms. Wow. I realized in that moment that is the most visible I have ever been to the pro wrestling audience at large. 2.3 million views in one day. Um. Probably whenever somebody writes an online obituary about me, that is most likely to be the thing embedded with it. Like if they have any idea who I am, it's because of that, not because of any of the thousands of matches I've had or the hundreds of people I've trained, uh, the nine books that I've written or hundreds of published articles, the classes I've taught, blah, blah. No, no, it'll be that 20-second clip that Alexa Bliss put on her social media. <laughs> So uh, when you said that and you said how many people you trained have been in the ring with, is there uh, a certain group of people or a couple people that were your favorite people to be in the ring with, whether it be training or performing for that matter? Sure. Um, some of the people that have trained with me are just a joy to train with. Hollow Wicked and Orange Cassidy. Um, i trying to think of some of the more current crop that are really like a joy to be in the ring with. Sonny Defarge is one of those people. Solo Darling is one of those people. Um, 
Josue Ibanez is one of those people. Joshua Wells is one of those people. Um, they are they bring the right attitude to learning. And I feel like I could just go on naming people all day long because I think because I got better at telling people what my approach is and what I believe about pro wrestling, I got better at attracting like-minded people to my wrestle factory. And the result is, by and large, I have people now filling up my school when we're allowed to fill it up um, <laughs> that bring the right attitude, that they are voracious learners. And, yeah, I, I went through a very humbling experience in April of 2000 when I was in the ring with El Hijo del Santo. At the time – arguably one of the two most famous luchadors still alive on the planet. And he is still alive, of course. His father, the legendary El Santo, passed away, uh, I think, at the end of the 80s. But it might have even been the mid-80s now that I'm saying it out loud. But nevertheless, after I was in the ring with Elio Del Santo in April of 2000, I was just utterly humbled by the experience. I was so outclassed by this guy. I had no business being in the ring with him. <laughs> And that gave me a new perspective on learning. I feel like there will always be someone out there who knows more about pro wrestling than I do. And each calendar year, it is my mission to find them and learn something from them. And the people that come to my school that feel the same way, what new thing can I learn today? I think that's awesome. I think that attitude is awesome. And the people that espouse that attitude toward learning and, and self-growth, I think they're awesome. And I'm very fortunate right now that I got a school full of them. And over the years, a lot of those people found me even before I was good at clarifying that that was my message. Yeah, I mean, and not only that, I think that mindset of always being thirsty for new knowledge and trying to make yourself better is just going to make the wrestling business in general better. Right. Yeah, there is complacency is akin to death. It is stagnation. And if we aren't the ones serving as the avant-garde, the literal advance guard, looking for the new shape of pro wrestling, then wrestling is going to pass us by. Mm -hmm. um, we will be the curators of an obsolete art form that's moved on without us. And unfortunately, there are a lot of people that work in professional wrestling right now that are guilty of exactly that. The art form has kind of passed them by. Um, and you, you can it's great to cling to the old things, right? They might bring you comfort. Um, they might represent the era of wrestling that you love best, but that's no reason to resent or hate the progress that's always going to be coming down the pike. Yeah, and not only that, with with the times that are going on right now, I do want to see, do you believe that this eventually will make professional wrestling uh, a better a better business and because it's making people change the way they're doing things, whether it be impact and them trying to figure out how to do their empty arena shows where NXT and AEW alternating camera angles, putting the hard cam at a different place. Do you think this will maybe improve the business wrestlers and promoters and people trying to put the shows together in general? It would be really sad if that wasn't the case. Yeah. Necessity is the mother of invention. These times necessitate innovation. You've got to come up. I mean, I don't know how familiar you might be with what we're doing with Chikara's Action Arcade, our brand new series that just started last Saturday morning. But this is exactly the right time for something like that to arrive. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm always intrigued to see how people are rising up and meeting the challenge. I think 
there have been some really intriguing concepts that rolled out just in the last two weeks from what AEW has been doing. I'm intrigued to see what they come up with next. And on the other hand, like when I when I see some of the other giant organizations out there and showing their inability to be flexible or their inability to adapt to these times, I think we're going to look back on this and you will have seen a missed opportunity. Yes. There is a chance here for you to kind of, you know, take what's in the the can of Play-Doh and mold it into a shape that no one has seen before. We should be excited by this opportunity. I know it's easy to just feel an anxiety about it and uncertainty about it. I mean, I certainly do. I make my entire living in professional wrestling. And right now my company sells no tickets to any upcoming live events. And my students are not inside my Wrestle Factory training right now. Believe me, when it comes to that feeling of uncertainty and anxiety, I am right there with you. And I allow myself to really indulge that for about five minutes every morning. And then I got to get out of bed and grab the opportunity that's in front of me and say, what can I do given the shape of things right now? And it is ripe for innovation. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think um, it's a big opportunity for the wrestling business in general, especially at least on TV, because it's one of the only things out there where you can catch live new content. Um, where everything else is kind of stopped with everything. So it, and it has a chance to bring new eyes, maybe people that are casual fans or people that haven't watched in 20 years. But now, hey, there's nothing else to watch. This weekend is huge for the WWE with WrestleMania still airing. I mean, maybe you can hook a couple people, and ESPN has stepped in as well. You can maybe bring fans in that haven't seen a lot of the independent stuff yet because this is the only thing on TV. And now you draw your eye to other companies, your company as well. I mean, it it definitely could help the business if if it keeps going this way. Right. Yeah. It it's going to go one of two ways. It's either going to be mishandled. People don't see it as an opportunity, but as an obstacle. And if you're going to take that negative point of view, I think you're going to pay a certain price in the final analysis. But if you can turn that thing around and see it as a potential opportunity and then there's an old quote by uh, Orson Welles. Maybe you know this quote, the, the late, great Orson Welles, who last voiced Unicron in Transformers, the movie before passing away of his great acting roles, uh, a milestone of my childhood. <laughs> um, Orson Welles said this. The enemy of creativity is the absence of boundary. Mm-hmm. And I believe that this new paradigm boxes us in. It creates boundaries we've never had to play inside of. When there are no boundaries, it's too difficult to be creative. But when you can see the parameters of the sandbox you are being forced to play in, when the boundaries are crystal clear, it is easy to get creative. And I I believe that quote to be true. Yeah, absolutely. I I completely agree. Uh, I do want to go back because there's something with as many people as you were in the ring with. uh, Is there anybody that you never got to wrestle that you really wanted to. And I mean, I know you've coming up, you just passed or surpassed 25 years in the business and wrestling. Um, is there anyone that you never got to work with that maybe you don't think it'll happen with Christopher Daniels? Okay. I really wish I'd had a one-on-one match with Christopher Daniels. Um, after I finished my 25th year, I started on my 25th anniversary tour. That's how anniversaries work. Yep. And I did 25 matches on my 25th anniversary tour. There were some, um, you know, for a variety of whether they were contractual or logistical reasons that were on my list that they didn't happen. 
Um, there was one qu- quite tragically uh, who would have been number 23 on my list. He passed away before the match we had agreed to do came to pass. However, um, it was Christopher Daniels that I, I fought hardest to try and make it work. But the, the only potential dates were right as AEW was beginning television. And Chris had all these new obligations on his plate. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just it just was impossible. But because his ascension on the West Coast independent scene mirrored my own on the East Coast independent scene in the 90s, especially in 97, 98, 99, there were a lot of promoters that had kind of teased the idea of putting Chris and I against each other in this West Coast Indies versus East Coast Indies themed match. And that match never happened. And I feel like I spent the next 20 years imagining what I would do if I actually got to that match. Like, well, you know, Chris is really good at this and I'm really good at that. And, you know, I bet if we got together and we got creative, we could do something like this and blah, 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 blah. Well, after 20 years of that marinating, I was ready to taste the sauce Mm -hmm. and we just didn't get to do it. Yeah, that's unfortunate because what a match that just, I mean, seeing you wrestle um, as often as we have down at the Wrestle Factory and then, of course, watching Christopher Daniels' full career, uh, it it would be an amazing match. I could see the things that you guys could most likely pull off, and uh, it's unfortunate that you didn't get to do that. Um, but I know you did wrestle. Uh, uh, actually, I think very highly of Chris. Yeah, absolutely. I think as most wrestling fans do, if you just see, put, see the work he put in. Mm-hmm. But I, um, you wrestled uh, of a former guest of ours, Leo London. Oh yes. Yeah, because um, he was on our show. I don't know, maybe three, four months before the announcement even happened that you were going to wrestle him, and saying that he, you were the one guy he wanted to wrestle. You were his bucket list, and because he, he watched a lot of your stuff and. And then you guys ended up actually wrestling. How was that match uh, in, with by you? Yeah, I must admit I'm a little shocked for perhaps what I imagine to be a Philly-centric podcast <laughs> to talk to a guy who's from all the way up in central Canada. Um, yeah, we just like talking wrestling. doesn't matter where you're from or who you are. If you, li- if you like wrestling, we like to talk to you. So just kind of ended up that way. Right on. Yeah, when I put the announcement out about doing my 25th anniversary tour because in the year prior I had only wrestled a handful of matches and and a lot of it is just that um I, maybe to a degree I'm a little self-conscious about my age uh, I think wrestling is a young man's game and I'm I'm not that anymore and I can't help but feel like maybe those spots on cards are better served to the developing talent now, that's not to say that every once and again I don't serve a purpose on a card. I'm not trying to rule that out or I'm not trying to pass myself off as if I'm an obsolete piece of junk. I don't mean it that way. <laughs> but I am kind of cautious about the extent to which I want to take up spots on cards. And when I put I put something out, I guess, on my Twitter, it was it was the, the morning, maybe right after it had passed. It might have been the day of uh, – the day is May 20th is the anniversary of my debut. Mm-hmm. And I said, hey, look. I'm going to do 25 matches in the next calendar year, and I've handpicked a couple people that I really want to wrestle, but I've not filled all 25 spots. And if it would mean something to you for us to have a match, well, why don't you drop me a line, and maybe we can make it happen. Mm-hmm. And I sent that out, and uh, if, I'm a, a, the kind of OCD that when I walk away from my computer, my inbox must be at zero. <laughs> I have to have inbox zero or I can't get up. 
So I had inbox zero. I sent the tweet, and I got up, and I drove to the Starbucks. It's about a mile from where I live. I picked up my drink. I came back. When I sat back down, I had over 150 messages. Wow. And I thought, oh, boy. Uh, I kind of thought I'd be back, and I would have maybe one or two. So I just started – it took me about a month to get through them all because I felt like I, I have to write back to each of these people. This yeah. is not the sort of thing that you're just like, well, whatever, drag this down into the trash can. you know. <laughs> <laughs> these are people who are reaching out that either I have a personal connection with or because of them watching or studying my work, they have a connection to me. I may not yet know them, but they feel that connection, and that's worthy of being honored. And I only really knew Leo because we had interacted on social media. We'd never met in person, mm -hmm. but he would wrote a very impassioned message to me. And I was so flattered and moved by it that I thought, well, let's see if we can't get this thing done. And you know what? A couple months thereafter, I flew up to central Canada and we got it done. Yeah, uh, we were surprised because um, after it was announced, Leo reached out to us, told us, and it was uh, – it was really cool to hear someone talk about it and, and want this to happen, and then actually you get that. I mean, you know, not a lot of people can get that opportunity, so um, we were really happy that you guys were able to put that match together, and um, it's, it's really great to hear a story like that come to fruition. Yeah, I was glad to do it. And, you know, I've been very fortunate in the course of my career, accepting the fact that Owen Hart passed away before I ever had a chance to wrestle him. I got to be in the ring with all of my wrestling heroes, mm -hmm. Jushin Liger, Johnny Saint, Minami Toyota, the great Sasuke, I mean, Eddie Guerrero. You make that list up. I got to be in the ring with all of them. Not many people get to say that. Yeah. I know how incredibly fortunate I've been 26 years into my wrestling career. And for me to be able to uh, give some of that to somebody else to whom, to whom that might really mean something – well, I could certainly do worse than to do a little bit of that, huh? <laughs> yeah, for sure. So uh, you did spend a little bit of time, um, like you said, working for the WWE training. You said talking about uh, the Alexa Bliss um, post. So now when you were in WWE, was it your goal to become a roster member of WWE? And if so, is there anything that you think may have held you back? No, it, it, it's never been my career goal to work for the WWE, okay. and especially on the coaching side of things. Mm -hmm. uh, one, I would like to be clear. They have been very generous. Uh, nevertheless, I have declined all their offers. Um, it is not that I don't enjoy the work. It is not that I don't enjoy the team down at the Performance Center where they have incredible coaches who always treated me with respect as if I were one of their own, and I appreciated the trust that they gave me. More than once, they basically said, design your own classes, come down here and teach them to the NXT kids. Just do you. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like they gave me unprecedented latitude to go down there and just be Mike Quackenbush. Uh, the fact that the industry leader gave me that kind of latitude and trust means a great deal to me. I found it very validating. And nevertheless, every single time they ever came after me with a contract offer, um, uh, it was very easy for me to say no, because uh, right now my life is not in Orlando, Florida. My life is here in Pennsylvania, and it will be for some time to come. There might come a time when Florida is going to be very attractive to me. And certainly being part of the Performance Center team, that sounds like good fun because they've got amazing coaches down there. 
From Sarah Del Rey to Terry Taylor to Robbie Brookside to Norman Smiley to Scott Garland to Serena Deeb to Johnny Moss. And Ace Steele just joined their coaching staff very recently down there. What an incredible team of coaches they have in that state-of-the-art facility in sunny Orlando. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with any of that. But that that's just not where I'm headed right now. It was it, it always felt very flattering to be asked, though. It did always put a big smile on my face. My career goal was always to be invited to one of the Super J Cups. Ever since I watched the 1994 Super J Cup tournament, um, that's really what I wanted for myself. And I realize as each year passes, it becomes all the more unlikely that will ever happen. It is almost certain that I have failed my career goal. Um, it's strange in some ways how what you want for yourself has – it It changes. The things I wanted in the first year of my wrestling career, right? I debut May 20th, 1994. It's it's literally, I think, weeks from the Super J Cup 1994. They're, they're not far apart if memory serves. Um, the things I wanted for myself in year one of my wrestling career, I've accomplished them all by year three. Ooh. And the goals I set for myself by year five, I'd accomplished them all by year 10. Well, what am I doing now in year 26, you know? Yeah. You got to constantly reassess where you're at and choose something to chase. Otherwise, you're aimless in life or as a professional. You are aimless. But last year, I must admit, when they announced that New Japan was doing a Super J Cup and it was going to be here in the United States, despite the fact that all joking aside, I've had more surgeries resultant from my career in wrestling than I have kept count of. I lost count years ago. Wow. Um. I know some people jokingly call me, instead of the master of a thousand holds, the master of a thousand surgeries. <laughs> and yet, I just went back to the gym harder than ever. Because if there was even the faintest chance that I could be invited to the Super Jacob, I had to chase that with everything that I've got. And I, I need that level of motivation at all times. And I don't have that if I allow myself to be distracted by the next shiny thing that comes down the pike. And... Uh, again, not to say that the offers weren't very generous, and of course they were very flattering and validating, but I can't just go and grab some shiny thing because, ooh, well, this would look nice on my Wikipedia page or whatever, <laughs> right? Like that that's not it. Yeah. What, what is the thing I'm really chasing, and i got to go after it as relentlessly as I can? Okay, so with that and you saying that you think it's very – unlikely that it'll happen do you have another goal in mind do you do you are you chasing something else or, or are you not giving up on it yet i i haven't given up on it yet um okay. and I, I just went through a uh, you know kind of awful thing with my left hand and wrist where i was starting to lose function in two of my fingers and um i had to go and, and have a series of medical procedures done at the end of february right at the top of march which i still haven't recovered from yet if my gym was open i could i couldn't even go to the gym right now but um, no, in my in my obstinate stubbornness, <laughs> I, I've not given up on it. And okay. even though I may not be the guy who's, you know, I know some people they're like, oh, I'll rally a support campaign on social media to get me <laughs> noticed. But that is not my particular way of doing things. That's great if that works for you. That that's not my thing. But uh, I'd be lying if I said if I saw tomorrow that they announced there's going to be a Super J Cup in 2020. I would find a way to be working out before I go to bed tonight. Okay. Wow. So, I mean, 
everything you've been through, and you have this wealth of knowledge, obviously, on your 26th year, is there any advice to a young wrestler or anyone, for that matter, who wants to be involved in the business in any capacity? Yes. There, there, one thing I learned from Jorge was this. He used to say, the success of a wrestler is in their training. If the training you are receiving is substandard, it is not of good quality. It will handicap you for the rest of your career. And sometimes you need an outside perspective to understand that. You need to get out of the little tiny bubble that you're in. Go visit other training schools. See how they do what they do. Talk to your friends. Network. Discover what they're learning at their school because it's only through those types of connections that you may realize, hey, I'm not getting the kind of education that I need here. Keeping in mind that not all teachers are a good fit for all students. There are certainly students I have had that I am not a good fit for. They probably leave thinking that's the worst teacher I've ever had. But similarly, when I was in college, there were professors that really resonated with me. They really connected with me. And there were others I could just tune them out because it sounded like the Charlie Brown teacher, wah, 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 <laughs> in the background, right? Yeah. That doesn't make them a bad teacher. And that doesn't make the other teachers necessarily better teachers. But you're going to gel with certain personality types. And you won't with others. And you got to find a teacher that works for you because the success of a wrestler is in their training. And I'll also share with you my mantra, my attitude about that. The day you think you're done learning in pro wrestling, hang up your boots and get out. Wow. That is a really, <laughs> really good, really good uh, piece of advice. Um, and the other thing before, before um, we end this interview, I do want to, let you put your social medias out there and promote everything because I know you have the online classes, like you said, and uh, let everybody know where they can find all that. Sure. So luckily, I'm Mike Quackenbush is one word on Twitter. I'm harder to find on Instagram where I'm MQ underscore thousand holds, where a little bit more of my obtuse sense of humor can be found. <laughs> on YouTube, look for Till We Make It. That's T-I-L. Till we make it. That is my YouTube project for either aspiring pro wrestlers or current pro wrestlers. Right now, there's over 120 free videos there to help you no matter where you are at in your journey as a professional wrestler. In addition to which, I'm currently doing some online seminars. You'll probably notice that I plug them on my social media. They tend to stream out live Tuesdays and Wednesdays at the very least from the floor of my Wrestle Factory in Philadelphia. I hope sometime soon. The Wrestle Factory will be open for business under more normal conditions once again. And when that happens, I'd love to see you in one of my classes. I feel like I'm there more than I'm home. Well, Mike, thank you so much for taking the time this afternoon and talking with me. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I hope that eventually the doors of the Wrestle Factory will be open and we'll be in there for uh, some more Shakara events and, um, and live wrestling. Uh, I can't wait. Uh, I'm done being in the house. And I can't wait to go right. out and, and watch some live independent wrestling. So, but yeah, thank you so much again for taking the time and doing this with us. Yeah, thank you very much. And if you do need to reconnect with that, um, by all means, Saturday mornings at 11 a.m., it's simulcasts on uh, IWTV and Chikaratopia. Our brand new series, Chikara's Action Arcade, just began. So this is a great time to get on board with it. Episode one is already up there on demand. Episode two, Saturday morning, 11 a.m., We'll see you then. All right. There you have it. Mike Quackenbush uh, on the Brotherly Love Wrestling Podcast. Mike, thanks once again. Oh, thank you. All right. And there you have it, the interview with Lightning. 
I'm just doing these dramatic pauses. I don't know if you noticed this, but I'm kind of dragging it out a little bit. Mike Quackenbush. That was such a great interview. What the hell was that? <laughs> and finally, I have the co-star back. It was a long <laughs> episode, long 35 minutes I had to do by myself. And I did not enjoy being alone in that interview. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> I was I was there in quarantine spirit. <laughs> I know you were. I know it was, but it was a lot of fun. Mike is an encyclopedia of knowledge in wrestling, and not only that, I'm pissed I missed that one. Well, I mean, he blew my mind. I'm pissed. (laughs) He blew my mind with some of the things he was saying, and just the ideology. Wow, that he has for the business is absolutely amazing, and really, really positive. But, uh. Aside from all that, we wanted to talk a little bit of actual wrestling oh, because boy. it's still... What are you talking about? There is no actual wrestling. There's WrestleMania. Oh, jeez. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, it so, does not. It, it sucks. This sucks. It does suck. This whole, this whole scenario, situation, uh, pandemic, it fucking sucks. I mean, it's terrible, one. And two, it just sucks. It just doesn't feel like WrestleMania. It just doesn't feel like WrestleMania. It doesn't. We would, be, we would be planning. What we were planning to do was run out a bar and have a WrestleMania party, but that went to shit early. Yep. Now, we were just going to do the regular shebang at your house and have everyone over and eat a shit ton of food and watch fucking WrestleMania. And that went to shit. Yep. Not to mention that it's still going on, but it's not even... It doesn't even feel like WrestleMania. It's a pre-taped... No audience tonight event. I mean, I'm thankful that we have wrestling to watch, but in turn, I would have rather seen this get postponed. I agree. I think uh, with the amount, the amount of talent, the amount of star power you have on this card, and the uh, the moments that you want to be able to make in front of a live crowd. It it's just it don't even come close to to what I, what I tomorrow night's gonna this. be. I already said this. I mean, I know it's WrestleMania and whatever the the show must go on and they're gonna proceed, but I don't think any title should change hands. Yeah, I, I think it's gonna be I exact know. opposite for you because I keep hearing about it being a uh, happy go lucky, making everyone smile type event. So a lot of again, just like the one we were at last year. They're talking Good, about new, new oh, day in the crowd then for the whole event. I'm just saying a lot of they're saying a lot of baby faces and title changes. Over now the who next said that's months. what everyone wants to see? Huh? Who said that's what everyone wants to see? Well, baby faces going over. There's a reason they're baby faces and and title changes to where they. I guess they want to listen to the fans. I don't know, but we that's, have, uh, that's the rumor. Well, another rumor is Roman's out and he didn't participate, and you're getting Strowman and. Uh, Goldberg. Yeah, but obviously they still haven't even written yeah, yeah, written them off yet, they, so I don't know what the plan is. Um, yeah, maybe that was a whole surprise, but I mean, honestly, I don't want to see any of the titles change hands. Because when, I want, when this gets back to normal, because these aren't, if you think about it, the storylines aren't going to carry from, or actually... The storylines aren't really anything right now. I would have rather seen just this be like a one big pause 
And then when this is all over, they get back and proceed as normal. Well, I think they are pausing after Monday night because I heard that they were shutting everything down. That well, they kind of have to. Yeah, so I think come... They've become non-essential in that in Florida. Exactly. So I, I think Monday is it. They are going to be shutting down, but I, I honestly think there will be title changes. I think that... I think, the I, I think they will be too. The women's I title, I think, is coming off of Bailey. I don't see her retaining. And who is she? Oh, she's going through... What is it, a gauntlet or is... It's... Salacious uh, six-way? <laughs> no. Well, no, it was a six-way, but now it's a, a five-way. Well, who, was, who, who didn't make it? Uh, oh, my God. Now I'm completely blanking. I don't know. I, is Sasha in it? Sasha's... Yeah, it's Sasha, Bailey, uh, Lacey, Naomi... Uh, who says you're getting a baby face to win that one? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Hey, if anything, it's going to be Sasha that wins. Again, this is just rumor. Of course, nothing set in stone. But I don't know. I I can see the whole mindset of making everyone happy and putting a smile on everyone's face. But I don't know. How do you how do you know that's what it's going to do? Oh, uh, there you go. It's. Tamina, Sasha, Bailey. Tamina was the one I was forgetting. Uh, Naomi and what's her face? What's her name? Lacey. Lacey, yeah. What's her face? That's an old time saying for those who don't know that. <laughs> At least that's what I've heard my whole life from my mother. So I what's think. What's your name again? What's your face? <laughs> I think. Uh... There are two matches, one that I wasn't expecting to be excited for, and the other one I couldn't help, and that's Edge and Edge and Orton. I can't wait. That promo that Edge cut on Monday night was absolutely insane. I can't wait for that match, and I honestly can't wait can, for the Undertaker. Can I get, no, no, no. Ah, damn it, I wanted to guess. <laughs> Undertaker style. I wanted to guess the one that you didn't expect, and I knew I was going to guess that, you fucker. <laughs> Because that Taker promo, man, it just was old school. Oh, just, just like I Edge. Know. That's why I was going to be my guest, but you freaking blabbed it out before I got a chance. <laughs> Do you have oh, interest? Then you get, uh, in- then you get freaking an interesting one, Daniel Bryan versus Nakamura. No, Sami Zayn. Yeah. For the Intercontinental title. Yeah, that that's another one where it's going to be, that's a match of the night candidate as far as wrestling goes throwback to ROH days. Mm-hmm. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. I don't think he's coming out in the mask, though. <laughs> no, probably not. But I think that this card has gotten a lot better, or at least from my perception, it seems like it would be a really, really good WrestleMania card in front of 80,000 fans. But the thing is, is that the card is always subject to, I don't know, change or get goofy. Like, I don't think without the crowd, I don't think we get any, like, big-time surprises, do you? Uh, surprises as in, like, returns or anything? Yeah, like someone interfering. Yeah, like anything. Yeah, I don't... I don't know. I think they're going to they're gonna be trying to play up the entertainment, so we might have a little bit more than we, we think. They might shock the world and put on some sort of extravagant WrestleMania. 
I, I, yeah, I mean, I just think they do their documentaries and all the specials that they do. They do them so well because they they know what shots they want. They edit it the right way. They do everything right. And that's why I think WrestleMania this year is gonna it, is underrated as it it is. I think it's gonna blow people away because they have the time to edit things and put things together, especially the AJ and Taker match. That thing can be really, really well done because they can take their time with it. But I'm hoping that's the word of things that they usually do well. What do you think the WWE 24 of this WrestleMania is going to look like next year? Yeah, I'm praying that they're doing it like that, that they're filming all this right now. You kind of, they would have to, I mean, this is like, this is as shitty as it is. It's history making in itself. As much as they love that shit. Yeah. Man, yeah, I I hope so because just all the lead up and then being able to see them film the stuff and it's it'll be a really uh really interesting interesting viewing. You know what bums me out? Is that we could have already been what, two full days in to yeah. independent yeah. wrestling right now? Absolutely. From the yep. That bums me out. Yeah, that, and I think that's one of the contributing factors of it not feeling like WrestleMania is not having all the extra wrestling that yeah, surrounds. There's nothing, there's, there's nothing going on. There's no NXT, no uh, Supercard of Honor, mm-hmm. none of the big ones, none of the, even the, the smaller ones that I was really looking forward to. Sucks. <laughs> Bloodsport. Yeah, man, I, that was going to be an amazing event. Barnett versus Moxley? Yep. Fuck, man. Uh, Suzuki Gun versus Dickinson? Mm-hmm. Ah. <laughs> they, said it's a, they said it's eventually going to happen. Like, what the fuck? Don't these are the superhero? <laughs> Sorry, I'm watching TV. <laughs> they said it's going to happen, but they don't know when. I mean, no one knows when. Yeah. So, I mean, it's something to look forward to. Alright, so... If you could pick an ending to WrestleMania last night, Sunday night, the main event, what's the Wait, match? Why don't I get, what's the what match, I, and what, how do you end it? And how why don't I, I get one for each night? Well, I mean, if you want to, yeah, do Saturday and Sunday night. Sunday night obviously is the end end of Mania, so I feel like whatever's going on that main is going to be like the last match. It's going to be the main match, so that's why I said that. But yeah, Saturday and Sunday, right. sure. I think the first night should be Brock and McIntyre. Mm-hmm. And the second night should be Edge and Orton. Yeah. I like that. I mean, that way, the first night, you get at least a main title on the main event. But then, I think Orton and and uh, Edge deserve the spotlight. Yes, I agree. Yeah, I, And I, if this was in front of 80,000, that would definitely be my pick. For the main event? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Edge and Orton definitely be the main event. Yeah. See, I, I completely agree. I, I think going into Mania, I thought before all this happened, obviously, that that should be the main event, but it was probably going to be Roman. No, I think the main event might be Brock and McIntyre. Oh, I'm fine with that. I think that match is going to be a really, really good match. At least I'm hoping. It I think is. that. I think if that main event, you might see something goofy happen, like some sort of interference or something. Hmm. 
Yeah, I don't know about. I don't know. Uh, I can't even think about surprises. I'm so thrown off. I honestly am going into tomorrow night with my mind fully open and not expecting anything because of the number of people that are rumored not to be there and the things that are going on. Like a, a person could drop, you know what I mean, whenever. So I just I'm gonna wait and just watch the wrestling as it comes and just sit back and enjoy it or hope to enjoy it anyway. Yeah, open mind is best for this one. I can't wait to see if they are going to even like try and do like a stage or something a little bit better for the Mania entranceway. You think they're going to do something? Oh, I mean, I don't. That's what I'm thinking. Like, you're just going to keep it as is and just put WrestleMania on the screens, or are you going to try and put some production value into it and put a little bit different ramp just because? I think they do. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to make it look somewhat different. Especially since they're trying to sell it as pay per view, they got they made the deal with Fox. Yeah. So they're selling it for what sixty bucks or forty mm-hmm. and sixty. Mm-hmm. Yes. Forty one night, sixty the last. Yeah. So you gotta give them. If some people are paying that much money, you gotta give them something. <laughs> That's why I think you might. You, I mean, with Fox throwing money into it, I think you might see something that you weren't expecting. Mm-hmm. Because they're going to need people to fucking buy that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Got to get the rumor mill going. I mean, what person would buy that when you have the network is, I don't know, beyond me, but still. Yeah. Crazier things have happened. Yeah, I don't know if I would pay $60 anymore now with the network, but I know there are people out there that are doing it. Yeah. My dad would do it if he didn't have the network. Yeah. And he would regret it immediately come Monday. (laughs) Yeah. All right, so I think that'll about uh, wrap up our show. Um, we hope everyone enjoyed the uh, interview with Mike Quackenbush. And uh, and then we hope you enjoy Mania. Whether you like what you see or not, at least we get to escape for a couple nights for three, three and a half hours each night. So um, let's be glad there's at least some kind of wrestling on. Yep. So Enjoy it because there's only so much left yes so we hope you enjoyed the show and uh we'll be talking to you very soon yep later 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 wrestle later uh.